So I think a couple weeks ago, or well, I guess it's one week ago because it was two episodes ago. We mentioned watching Just Mercy because I heard through the grapevine it was available for free. And I yep. looked it up and sure enough, it was not only available for free on Amazon Prime, it was on YouTube. I think other uh-huh. places too. Those were the two that I saw. So I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening right now and you're like, wait, I forgot. I didn't watch it. Pause it. You can literally watch it on YouTube. Go watch it right now. <laughs> Pause this podcast you're about to listen to and go watch that two hour and 15 minute movie. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, you probably should. Uh, yeah, it was really good. I, it, yeah, I this really, was a really, very good movie. Uh, I don't want to say I like really enjoyed it because there was a lot about no. it that was uh It's a hard struggle. movie to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I appreciated how how uh, how the subject matter was handled and how well made it was and um, I don't do you feel like we can comfortably talk spoilers or do you want to just kind of be brief about it with no spoilers? I feel like we can encroach on territory that people know, but I don't want to like I don't know I don't want to do full spoilers um because I want people to check this movie out and if anybody out there is you know watches movies like. I do, and I know you do as well. Yeah, they won't want us to spoil it, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I I have general enough thoughts, and also specific Me things too. that I think won't spoil. I mean, one thing, I don't know. I, I, uh, just sort of going back and forth on uh, one aspect of this, which is like the these movies are very important to get people to understand the gravity of like the situation of the systematic oppression of black people for years and years and even just 20 years ago um and through to now like this shit is still fucking happening um but like not everything not all of what is happening is as absolutely ridiculous as what is happening here i mean it's important to show this stuff and how astounding and how fucked up it is but also there is so much just absolutely abhorrent behavior that is happening that is not as obvious as all of this stuff is as like you know uh basically torturing a dude to get him to <laughs> yeah. give testimony yeah, no, like I, I thought th- i thought a very uh i thought similarly like i was um i feel like it's a movie for people if you if you have absolutely no idea that any of this is apparent and you watch this then you'll be like oh my god it can get that that can happen mm-hmm. but then you got to realize that it's on a way way deeper level than that too mm-hmm. which i feel like they uh kind of oh, I feel this like is where I don't want to get into spoiler yeah. territory. You know what I mean? Well, so about... I, I think I can say without spoiling the actual movie that I think they they do attempt at least, and I thought it was a pretty good attempt at getting across that while well, this story that you're watching right, right now is the Hollywood, the thing that's going to make you really like understand, like holy crap, the I don't I don't even know how to. Because to me, it's hard to say any of that because to me, even the smallest injustice is like something that should just slap someone across the face with right. uh, realization. You know, you should if you saw even the smallest thing, you should just be like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm getting at is if there was a story to be made into a movie that, 
a person who doesn't understand this would watch and then understand mm -hmm. this story is that story. And I, what I'm saying is I think this movie also showed that it's not the only story, you know, it, it right. made, uh, even aware of like the fact that, you know, this is the, that story. I still, it still made me do a bunch of like, oh man, I'm going to look that guy up. I'm going to look that guy up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look up these laws, see what's, what's right. the laws about that in my state? You know, mm -hmm. like we're, we're both from Minnesota and I'm in California right now. So I've, you know, I'm interested, like, what are the differences there and here? And it's just shocking to see, not just in those two states, but the whole country, how many states are like still doing certain things that this movie's talking about. And this movie takes place in the eighties. Yeah. Right. That's whenever a movie yeah. takes place into the early nineties, but yeah. Yeah. Whenever a movie can take place over a huge expansive period of time, cause they even do touch on now, you know, they, mm -hmm. they talk about things that are happening right now too. And I don't know, it's just clear. It's yeah. a word I used last week that I'm not, I'm happy I used correctly. Irrefutable. Yeah. Things yeah. like this make you go, oh, okay. And that's... It's, yeah. It does a good job, especially um, a certain speech that Michael B. Jordan has by the end of the movie uh, laying out how systematic the problem is. Like, it, it was very, very clearly laid out in a way that wasn't even... I mean, it was set up... And pointed out in a very structurally intelligent way. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's very valuable to know that uh, Brian Stevenson, who is the main character, that's who Michael B. Jordan plays. Uh, this movie is based on a book by him, and he is one of the writers of this movie. So he was involved in the making of the movie, which I think is vitally important. And I think part of the reason it it hits home so well, you know? Yeah, that's I I didn't look up uh enough about the writing side of this. I looked up a little about the director and then kind of rushed into the podcast. So I'm really really glad to know that cuz one of my main takeaways of okay, how much of this was like Hollywood was speeches like that where Michael B Jordan would say just the absolute perfect thing at the perfect time mm -hmm. and I wondered like how much of this is something that that dude would actually be wanting an audience watching this movie to hear mm -hmm. knowing that he's like involved in the writing process makes me know like if he could he would be the one standing there talking to you through the screen you yeah. know what i mean right that's i mean th there was definitely hollywoodizing of it i mean oh, because yeah. it's, it's a hollywood movie and uh brian was one of the writers there was a newer writer who doesn't have very many credits named andrew landham i think um, I can't read my own fucking handwriting is the problem. And then uh, the third writer was the director, Destin Daniel Creighton, or Creton, um, who's of Hawaiian descent, which uh, I was kind of hoping to see a black man heading this movie, but I'm sure he was uh, in, in great uh, collaboration with Brian, and he is also a person of color, it seems. Um, I don't know, you know, his exact lineage or anything like that, and I'm not going to you know, talk on that too much. But an another thing that I thought was interesting, I was while watching the movie was speaking about the Hollywoodizing of it. This is a very 2019 movie, you know, 2019 blockbuster movie. Cause I saw it's actually like, um, credited as it's technical release was last year. Um, and I'm just thinking about, I don't know, sort of in line with this podcast theme of like, 
growing up and seeing things through constant new lenses, it's interesting to be at the point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, Brie Larson and Michael B. Jordan are, like, hot actors right now. And then you've got Jamie Foxx, who at this point is, like, a seasoned, you know, fame famous actor you know know, i was thinking while watching the movie michael b jordan feels like a and then i and then my head couldn't come up with like a name to compare him to Mm. because i was like oh shit he's like a he's he's him now he's like Mm -hmm. michael b jordan like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. remember michael b jordan and the era of michael b jordan just like i he'll be you remember like (laughs) you know exactly yeah and you like you remember eras of actors like being a kid and thinking like Oh, if Brad Pitt's in a movie, I'll go see it. I think that's still kind of a thing. Brad Pitt holds some power still these days a little bit. Yeah. But you know what I mean? How there's But he like... was like the it person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And right now, uh both of them, Michael B. Jordan, uh Brie Larson, total yeah. it and then you've got uh man, I forgot his name. Rob Morgan? From he's in holes. Oh, oh no, uh uh Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, he even like uh, Jamie Foxx has become like the seasoned actor that oh, yeah. I remember watching as a kid. And, you know, and I don't know, you're totally right. I didn't even think about that while watching it, but you pointing it out now or like Alabama shakes being in the soundtrack. It's just something. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that, if that is part of that feeling, but you're totally right. I also loved seeing O'Shea Jackson Jr. Ice he Cube's kid. Very, very good in this too. Very, very good. Not yeah. a lot of screen time and used every minute of it uh powerfully uh yeah yeah. i i forget like the exact line but he had just like a couple calm just like simple lines that yep i was my eyes were leaking (laughs) yeah and speaking on that um the movie is like it's powerful and Mm -hmm. it's hard to watch sometimes so Mm -hmm. you know if you're listening and you're like oh i'm gonna go watch that right now be prepared but do yeah, do, but have a tissue, have some tissues with you and be ready to have conversations with the people you watch it with. Mm-hmm. This is one of those two where I feel like if you finish this movie and you're not having a conversation about it, watch it again. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it's important to be talking about this, not just watching it and thinking, oh, well, that was the 80s. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. no, that's right now. That's why this movie is coming out now. It's because yeah. it's still relevant. Uh, Yeah. Well. This is A New Lens, a podcast that Gary and I started to talk about film and television and media that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. And our main uh, undertaking is Avatar The Last Airbender, episode by episode. We have come to episode 14, The Fortune Teller. You want to give us a a lowdown on this one, Gary? Yeah, uh... It's pretty simple. It's a, I want to call it another pit stop episode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a pretty simple episode. It's basically just Aang and the gang getting to this area where um, at first they encounter a man who's just happily facing off with a bear, basically a platypus bear, which we'll get to. And they find out that the reason he's so um, unworried is that he got a fortune from a fortune teller in a nearby village. So they go check that out. They end up staying in the village for a while where love begins to blossom. We find (laughs) out more about Aang's feelings for Katara. We find out Katara kind of hoping to find love one day. We find out about uh, someone having feelings for Aang. 
it all kind of accumulates to the gang realizing that this town has a lot of trust in this fortune teller, and even to the point where destruction seems imminent, they believe her when she says it is not. So the gang kind of has to convince this town uh, that a nearby volcano is totally about to erupt. And uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. I Another um, great, uh, great opening starts yeah. I, every time an episode now starts out looking beautiful i'm like oh calvin will appreciate this one on and the, it's every on the single time they yeah they, it's every they time just know how to start their their episodes i do love <laughs> i love this first scene with the fish jumping around and literally making like sexy faces at Sokka, like tempting <laughs> yeah, like, just like come on <laughs> Sokka's just like you motherfucker i will eat you the way he like tramples into the water cracks yeah. me up just like the way his legs <laughs> wink, like wink, crunk, wink, crunk, crunk. yeah yeah totally um i love ang ang makes this necklace for katara because clearly he's see what what's interesting that this is reminding me that like the state of that relationship that we've developed enough by now or you know where we've gotten mm-hmm. to now is clearly defined in the beginning you know like they are family. They care about each other immensely, and it feels earned uh, of, th- of through all that they've been through. Ang's kind of crush on her has been developed. It's not like one yeah, of the I mean, main the first plot thing points. he ever saw. Yeah, he had like a look on his. She he saw her, her face, and she was like beautiful. Yeah, and then yeah, and and she, you know, has feelings for him. Of a certain light, but hasn't really, like, thought about it much past, like, you know, we're on a mission. We're kids. <laughs> and Exactly. You know, a cool dude. <laughs> but he makes this necklace for her out of fishing line. Sokka's fishing line, which... <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> so funny. And she's just like, oh, that's that's so sweet. And she, like, compares him to Momo. To Momo. She's like, yeah. Just like Momo. I feel so bad for him in that moment. But also, I feel like really really glad that he i don't know it's it is a really really sweet gesture yeah. regardless of i think that he kind of takes it right because he's he does just want to give it to her it isn't like a gesture of hey do you like me too it is just right. like i wanted to make you this thing and yeah let's and i talk think that's really sweet for just a moment about uh how fucking at 12 years old like in touch with his own femininity and comfortable with his own person ang is to braid this beautiful necklace with like a pink flower in it and give it to her and sock is like making fun of him like are you want to save the world or you want to go like off braiding and he's like yeah and he's like can i do do both both." it's like (laughs) fuck yeah Yeah. ang fuck yeah yeah. and fuck yeah this show for teaching kids that you can do that shit and in what year like 2005 2005 2005. sorry to tangent but i just kind of got a little uh, bubble of annoyance i want to get out people often talk about uh how you know like watching something from 2002 there's like a joke in there even from 2008 and they make like a little Mm -hmm. comment and then they're like yeah but it's the times Mm -hmm. shows like this make you realize that people have known forever they know mm-hmm. what's good and what's what's important and what's, you know, mm-hmm. possibly damaging to, uh, like, developing minds. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> no, so, seriously. Like, yeah. When I watch this, it reminds me, like, 
I don't know. There was like a lot of responsibility that was not handled by a lot of other freaking, you know, filmmakers, yeah. showrunners. Yeah. Authors. I love, I grew up on the show Scrubs and I've watched episodes of it that are just like, oh man, their handling of that issue. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it, but oh man. Yeah. That's just one of those where it's like, and I think once you get into adult humor, it's, you know, people try and play the border more because shock is funny and it's way easier to shock a kid. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? With just like a goofy face and he goes, oh, ah, you know, but. Yeah, but then you think about like who's at the expense of that joke. Right. And that's something that people didn't just learn to think about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was my little. <laughs> the... one of, I, that's, a, that's one of the best things about this show, you know. They are clearly paying attention in this show to the changing of scenery. Like that they are traveling, especially in yeah. this in this first season where they're going to a lot of different places on their way, traveling literally across the entire world <laughs> from the and it's South so Pole to the easy North Pole. To just like have areas be boring looking because mm-hmm. it's like just an area they're traveling through, make it another forest. But right. they make these such cool areas that I just kind of wish they would stay in for longer, but I know they can't because it's their mission. This forest and this river area look completely different from any anything any else other that we've one seen yeah so far. absolutely and um, this is totally an episode that i mean i'm not calling it a throwaway but it could mm-hmm. be you know yeah. the events of this episode could easily uh be mm-hmm. forgotten depending on how how it's handled so the showrunners could have been like all right well this one's not as important so don't right. don't focus all your artistic energy on the scenery in this one right i don't think they ever did that on this show yeah. except for the great divide maybe mm-hmm. um is this the first time we're seeing an animal that is actively I like, wrote that just down named too. two different things? I don't know if we've referenced that before, but if if people we've seen animals we... and wondered like, okay, yeah. is that these two? Like the penguins, but, right? He calls them penguins, though. Yeah, you know. But this is a platypus bear. <laughs> yeah, straight up, just a platypus bear. That's uh, what this is. And then <laughs> they all are yelling about what to do. Uh, they all yell like actual tips for different animals. Right. Most of the tips are bear tips. Like if yeah. you encounter a bear, depending on the type of bear, listen to one of them. Like one of them <laughs> says what to do for a black bear. One of them says what yeah. to do for a grizzly. But then one of them, I think Sokka says, no, run away in a zigzag pattern. And I think that's what you're supposed to do if you're being chased by an alligator. If I remember oh, correctly from my Everglades tour when I was like nine so I, or certain <laughs> animals, you know, like, yeah. but I don't think a bear will give a shit if you're zigzagging. Huh. I don't know. I just thought that was really funny that they all had these like little internal things. And even as a kid, I remember seeing that and being like, wait, I, I feel like I've heard all of those pieces of advice, but I don't know what any of them right. apply to. And it's, right. that's what I would do in that situation. I would just start shooting out like, yeah, uh, lay on the ground and put your hands over your head. It's like, dude, that's not what you're supposed to do for that bear. <laughs> they try and help this guy out and then. <laughs> the thing that scares it away is Appa screaming behind it. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard and rewound it <laughs> twice at the Me platypus too. bear standing up, laying an egg out of fear, just and then quickly laying. just walking away. And it was a moment that you could, I, I think, watching it in real time, I'm like, oh my god, that's funny. But then Sokka picks up the egg and for some reason him acknowledging that it happened made me laugh harder i was like wait it's real it wasn't just like a you know like an animated comedic thing like bloop 
You know, like, right. no, he laid a freaking egg and Sokka's planning on eating that egg now. Yeah, and it also resolves you know? the, like, we're trying to get food <laughs> But then thing. he drops it on his freaking head. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, um, so I, I, I saw a little bit. I know both of us read a little bit of trivia on the Avatar wiki page, which mm-hmm. if you're watching the show and or and listening to our podcast, that's a great other resource for like, you know, because there's a comment section and other fans of the show mm-hmm. comment on their theories and stuff. So sometimes I even read through that. It's kind of Avatar.fandom.com slash wiki. Boom. Uh, I, I saw one of the little trivia notes. The uh, Walking Under an Umbrella avatar or ang and katara when they walk on un- under an umbrella together apparently it's not necessarily a nod but that's a really classic old japanese romantic motif and mm. it's used like really often in uh anime and like japanese art like two lovers walking under an umbrella mm. which is like really it kind of gives you the themes of the episode too like yeah and it also makes Romance. me allows me to talk about how cool it is that katara is now at the water bending level to just kind of like put her hand above her head and create like a yeah. water bended umbrella. She only does it for and a moment like, and then just gets for a moment. Her, but, but, the, but what's cool yeah. is that it, it is a moment, mm-hmm. you know, she isn't like, check this out and does it. Right. She just like does it and then gets under the umbrella. Yeah. I yeah. love her comfort. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. I wrote that down too. I loved that so much. Then we, then we get into town and we get our second, uh, I don't think they name it, but that is a chicken duck. <laughs> yeah. That is a chicken duck. <laughs> yep. And I love it so much. It's the funny, uh, to me, maybe the funniest thing of the episode, although that's hard to say because this is a really funny episode. There's a lot of great, there's a lot like, of really funny soccer comedy. Um, but that chicken duck really cracks me up. Oh, yeah. Um, Meng. Yeah, we meet Meng. We meet, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? Madam Wu? Yeah. Aunt Wu. Aunt Wu. Aunt Wu. Aunt Wu. Um, so, Meng. Okay. You know that uh, You know that voice actress, right? I did not recognize that, but I saw the same trivia fact that you did. <laughs> Me too, um, right? Okay. Well, so, we, we haven't really, you know, yeah, we talked can't. about later details, and we can't, but. So, all I'll say act- is, if this you This actor comes back. Yeah, if you like that voice actress who plays Meng, good. And if you don't, well, you will. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. Oof, uh, wow. So they get their fortunes told. Um, <laughs> Momo steals Sokka's bean curds. Did you notice that? Yeah. Sokka's just like macking on bean curds, twiddling his like toes. Because whenever Sokka's barefoot, have you noticed? He just like, it's like, ah, he just like spreads his toes around. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. He does that like a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, speaking on that. They always do really cool little character things consistently. Like Sokka mm-hmm. often will like have just like this resting position. Right. And when he's resting, I'm just like, yeah, that's Sokka chilling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I no, totally. It. And it's distinct. Um, I, yeah. I, I did want to point out when Meng sees Aang for the first time, uh, there's a throwback to a moment earlier when Aang gives uh katara the necklace there's yeah. this like your, like light. pan up like showing how gorgeous Sparkly, she is like like pink it's like tone. a snapchat edit yeah right right and then meng sees the same thing on ang uh when she first sees him but he's just which, like making a face just like bored yeah which is also not just funny because he's like he's being like the least 
impressive version of himself. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting because it's like this is our main character who's a 12-year-old and he has a crush on someone, which we can relate to. Because right. if you're 12, you get that. And if you're older, you remember being 12 and having a crush. <laughs> right. But now we're seeing someone having a crush on him and how, like, I don't know. It's just like it gives us the – it gives children a simple, like, understanding of, like, the dynamics of thinking someone – owes you something when you like them sure, or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, totally. He completely doesn't even realize this girl likes him, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what's happening with Katara. And it's just right. watching that happen, it's almost like frustrating. But that's real life, too. I can remember being that way. Yeah. I wrote down uh, later as Meng is like trying to get his affections, and then he's like, yeah, cool, and then goes to Katara. It's a love line instead of a love triangle, you know? It's yeah, really and, just... and he even in that moment had like repeated a line she used on him. You right. Know? Oh. It's like, yeah. come on, dude, you're so oblivious. But uh, they get their fortune told, and uh, Aang's fortune Ooh, pretty ominous. much... Yeah, and it, and it kind of sums up the episode when you think about it, because like... He gets his fortune told, and it's this huge, big, ominous thing, which he's like, yeah, I, I know about that, but I just want to know, like, <laughs> right. I just want to know what I want to know. You know what yeah. I mean? Which is kind of like what the episode is about, because then Aunt Wu just makes something up. Right. She's like, uh, yeah, just follow your heart. And when you think about that, yeah. it's like, okay, so she does have the ability to see the future, or else how mm. would she know specifically his journey as the Avatar? Right. But people don't care about what she can see. They want to know what they want to know. And she'll yep. still tell them because that's her job. Yeah. And that's like what no one else realizes except for freaking Sokka. Who... Right. It's so frustrating every time Sokka's right. Because he's right very often. But every time people are like, it's just Sokka. He likes to eat. So don't listen <laughs> to him. You know? I'll, I'll mention it later. There's a moment that I want to bring up at the end of yeah. this episode. Okay. Um... Yeah, but her her relationship to the town is really interesting because, like, I don't know, there's a lot of things that just show her as not necessarily having powers, but just reading people really easily. Like, when she sees Sokka and she's immediately like, you're going to have a lot of pain, mostly most of it's self-inflicted, moving on. It's like, yeah, she just could tell, <laughs> you know? And that's in real life what most fortune tellers, probably all, but, like, you know, I'm sure there are people who, like, really believe in that. Yeah. But you can, when you look at like most of the uh, discovered frauds, they do those techniques where mm-hmm. they're just like reading people, using what right. they read to connect with them. Yeah. Um. So the technique she uses with the bones cracking is mm-hmm. an actual uh, ancient Chinese pyromancy. Oh. Pyromancy is what it's called. Oh, cool. I think that just means yeah. like fire magic. Because yeah. that's what, you know. Um, so that's like a direct, like a real thing. Uh, and they usually used, uh, I think turtle bones to make that. Happen. Oh, cool. Kind of cool. Hell yeah. I didn't know that. On that, Aunt Wu is, I know they mention it outright, but she really is cool for like doing as much as she does do totally for free. For free. Yeah. What the hell? Like, how does, what? I was going to say, how does she make her living? But I guess... She can do it for free at this point because the entire town worships worships her. You know, when you think about that... They've changed their if, culture. If there was a real fortune teller, that is how that would work. Yeah. They would just true. make the town work for them, basically. And it's like this blurred line of, is she good or is she kind of like 
not a good thing for this town. And it's honestly never really clear. Even yeah. at the end, it's not clear if she is like healthy for this town or not. Right. But she is doing what she's doing. You know, yeah. they they used to hike up this mountain and now to see if it's going to explode. Now they just trust her because it's easier, which is kind of yeah. like, mm, I don't know. I don't I don't like that. And clearly it pisses Sokka it should... off because he goes around just laying out the logical fallacies of everybody's you know convictions with their uh fortunes and it's like specifically frustrating because she probably knows that she should be telling these people all right but still check right but she even believes in it mm -hmm. and we've seen her make shit up so it's it makes you really wonder like is she making some stuff up and not worried because i don't know her like her role in this episode is a frustrating one for me to think about, you know? Yeah. And the the logic that is used by so much of the town, but mostly that fucking wide-toothed motherfucker from the beginning who pop keeps popping up who's just like, yeah. well, I didn't get eaten by a bear because you saved me, yeah, right? So exactly. she was right. That's like, the logic, and they use that the whole episode, even in the end. No yeah. one learns. Mm -hmm. No one learns anything. I do love guitarists just feeding in in the same way everyone else is and just wanting to hear what they want to hear and just like not leaving her alone. Like, oh my oh, God. For she breakfast, like should I have hours. mango or papaya? Papaya, slam. No, I hate papaya. Then why'd you it's even like, Why did you even, yeah. I, I think that every time I laugh. And then it's like the next shot is her getting a papaya and being like, no. <laughs> right. She like doesn't want it. <laughs> Ang goes to get her affections there, and she walks away, and he's all disappointed. And this fucking chicken duck I, lands next to him, and just they look at each other. <laughs> I don't know why. I that I it's just, one. It's such a it might be the best character in the episode. <laughs> chicken duck. <laughs> and uh, so the way he tries to get her affections, I wanted to at least briefly talk about. Mm -hmm. I wondered if you had a similar experience as Aang when you were a similar age where you try to talk to a dude who was older than you, maybe only a year or two older than you, and their advice to you was exactly the same. Be aloof. Try right. to be the cool guy. Don't be nice. I totally had experienced that at some point in middle school where like someone was like, if you want to get girls, you have to ignore them and be shitty. And it's like, that is awful advice. And it's so funny yeah. that the way Sokka presents it makes you just go, that's terrible advice. But like, yeah, right. that's, that's the actual advice most yeah. most guys give younger guys. It's pretty sad. Well, and that's, yeah, it's like, I love that they just straight up go for it in this episode. The thing is, both of them are, referring to Aang and Katara, are not looking at the situation and addressing and communicating the situation in front of them they are not paying attention to what is directly in front of them ang's not being truthful he's like not even recognizing there's this girl meng just absolutely obsessed with him stalking him and katara's too obsessed with like the fortune of the idea of this person in the future that might you might get with yeah. that she's not Paying attention to the incredible human being who's obsessed with her already. It's just, yeah, it's it's wildly frustrating to watch. <laughs> and Aang taking his advice and trying to be, like, all cool and it just not working. It's really funny, though. It's very funny. It is very Aang funny. Aang being like that just is so out of character. It's, and it's yeah. so funny. 
okay, no big deal. I don't care. <laughs> and then he finally decides to try and get her affection by going up the mountain to get this this tiger lily, which is really which cool. cool as hell. Um, yeah. I was just thinking as he's like air hopping on these rocks all the way up and talking to Sokka, who he brought with him, how fucking dicky of a move that is to bring Sokka with him because he is gliding up this mountain and Sokka, even, Sokka he doesn't really address it death. that much but Sokka <laughs> could fall and also he's exhausted he's like it's panting Sokka at the is of his genuinely the best dude for doing that yeah. even though the advice he gives is terrible that moment <laughs> right. is so cool of him yeah yeah that, I always think about that I feel like I, I've seen this episode a few times I don't remember if it was like one of those that I saw a lot on you know on a rerun or whatever mm-hmm. but I recall multiple occasions of me watching this episode and thinking Sokka could die right now just for like getting a flower for your crush what yeah. a bro you know right. like, what a nice guy <laughs> yeah. like, just doing that uh <laughs> now we've come to the to the moment that I wanted to address earlier which they realize this volcano is going to destroy the town and try to go tell them. And Sokka is the one who, who delivers the news. And no one listens. Mm-hmm. So Katara's <laughs> words are, if you don't listen to my brother, listen to me. But she doesn't have any reason. <laughs> right. Just because <laughs> she also likes Aunt Wu. But like right. at the end, of the, like, I don't know. It just cracked yeah. me up when she said it out loud, like outright. It's like, I don't think anyone knows how obsessed you are with Aunt Wu. And if they did, I don't think they would care. I mean, you're clearly this dude's sister. Right, yeah. You're just going to say what he's... Exactly And then she just... Yeah, I don't know. It just cracks me up, her wording. Because she does that a lot in the show where she's like, my mother. I don't know. Like her little speeches (laughs) where it's like, I am the one talking now. Yeah, I mean, she. I think that is the main way that she shows her youth is a little bit self-centered you know what yeah I mean? a little yeah she just hasn't she's very very compassionate but the way that she regularly operates is very much about her world and her experience which is which, also I mean, kind of a good technique to get people to relate to her that's true. that's like you know if you feel this i do too that's true fight with me you know yeah it's just yeah i think i don't know i think i said what i meant to i think it's interesting that um nobody's convinced and so they plot this. Can your science explain the rain? <laughs> yes, it yes, can. Yes, it can. They the all fuck? walk away. And then they that have. Ex- that we- sums up like so much of what is happening right now in oh, the world. God. You know, yeah. it's so relevant right now. Yeah. Well, can your science explain this? Yes, yes. it can. Yes. Everyone in the Look entire the town walks away data. dissatisfied. Well, but I want anyway. a haircut. Um, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I, I, it blows my mind that with this impending volcano explosion, they have the time to crack a plan to break into Wu's house and steal the book and then get on Appa and go up and bend all the clouds and then go get Wu and get her out to tell, yeah, gather the town and it's tell everybody. Far-fetched. It's like <laughs> the volcano's. Especially it when went, you see how fast the lava is flowing at yeah. the end. So, I don't know. That that bugged me a little bit. Um, oh, I feel so, so bad for Meng. And she's yeah, like... Yeah, and she's really cool oh, about it. She's so... Genuinely yeah, really cool. Is. Very like, mature for, like, yeah. how old she is. Because she's probably 10 if Aang's yeah, 12. Right. She's Sokka beautiful, and by the way. Are, like, 13 and 14. Oh, her, like, hair envy. 
It's like your hair's beautiful. Yeah, that oh. made me so that made me twisted inside. I felt really upset. I was yeah. just like, no. Um Ooh, and I didn't actually get to say another cool little uh cast member in this episode who might not hit as hard for you being like, Oh, yeah, that dude. But there may be someone who's listening to this that's like, wait, I didn't know that. Hmm. So you know how there's a moment where they're like we need earthbenders, and there are two twins, and one of them's like, oh, I'm an yeah. earthbender, and the other one's like, I'm not. Which is, first a, of all, really fucking very cool that cool they address that. that. A, one twin can be, and one might not. Yeah. The person who plays the twins, it's one person. His name is Cameron Monahan. Do you okay. know that name? No. Have you ever watched Shameless or Gotham? Oh, you have told me to watch Shameless, and I watched the first season, and I liked it. He's, but it, he's uh, yeah, the brother that's like, if it's the first season, he's like 13, redhead. I don't know. People have told oh, me he kind of okay. looks like me. Uh, I would say he's, you know, like a more handsome uh, head buzzed version. Oh, oh holy he, shit. Okay. I'm, he was one. He was the twins. Brought him up so I'm, this computer. must be one of his early roles. And I think that's wow. so cool to just Hell like yeah. be reading through the cast, see a name that I'm like, okay, I kind of recognize that name. Clicking on it and being like, oh, wow, he's just a guy now. Like he's a face. He's yeah. not. You know? Right. And speaking on that, that happens every time I watch the show. I'll, I'll, like, scroll through, see someone click on them, and then find out they've been, like, 300 different characters in, like, Lego movies and Batman and, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Ooh, uh, the little statues that are lining the village outside when, you know, the lava's flowing, it, like, flows over yeah. those little statues. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but... Uh, they're based on uh, statues that would, or they look almost identical to statues that would line Japanese Shinto shrines called, oh. I think, Daruma or Darum, something yeah. like that. Okay. It's my same problem I have as you have is my handwriting could be another A at the end there <laughs> or an N. Yeah. <laughs> but very, very cool in my opinion that in apparent, I like looked it up and it's like, it is, it's just that, you know? Hell yeah. Um. Before the lava does come, I do want to address the cloud bending, which is really cool. Really which is cool. Also, another mix like, of air and water. You cool know? moment of you know teaching kids who I don't know if they've learned yet or not. Like clouds are water. Like that's what that is. It's yeah, and it and it's like our first. I think it's our first. Uh, we've seen them bend together one element, but this is yeah. them using both of their bending skills mm -hmm. to make a new thing happen. You yeah, know? very very cool. cool. And another, just another moment of thinking outside of the box of how bending can be used. I mean, I'm not sure how much of that we've had so far, uh, but it, it, I don't know. That's, I just, I love pointing those things out. Yeah, me too. And speaking on bending, uh, I know it's a little bit of like a, it, it almost comes off, you know, when contextualizing the episode, it might be a little bit like silly or cheesy hmm. but that moment when katara realizes that yeah. ang is like a powerful bender and mm. the camera just goes around her face yeah nothing will ever make that moment not just like chill inducing for me oh absolutely. the music and the camera and the lighting of like the fire against the night and so much just like that. yeah and then sokka just casually being like man he sure is a powerful bender right and then her being like Whoa. I'm getting Whoa. chills right now talking yeah, about it. Yeah, me too. Even, Literally chills. And it's Goosebumps. when you think about that, it should be kind of silly because it's like her realizing like, whoa, he's the he's the man of my dreams. But right. in reality, it feels more like her realizing that 
Aang is like a a figure of her destiny. Right. Not necessarily yeah. like the person well she's going to marry one day, but yeah. like she realizes in that moment, like there's more going on here than just me loving someone maybe one day. Like right. he is an important key to like yeah. my future in some way. And I always get that like feeling in that moment. And it's just like, shit, th- that moment is worth the whole uh, frustrations of this episode with right. like, the love, the love line. Yeah. The the thing he does too is like one of the coolest things. Oh my! I God. honestly think of this as one of the coolest moments of bending in the show. Like I love when there are these big grand moments of achieving some big tangible physical thing with their bending, and, and he what does he that does cool. too. I never realized because I always thought it was just like him blowing air onto it. But what he does is blast himself up into the air and he gathers moisture from up in the air just like they had been bending uh clouds he goes up towards the clouds gathers moisture and air brings it back down and bursts it into the lava in this huge splay so that it will create its own barrier to keep more of the lava out it's absolutely incredible somehow they are always able to make those moments like twice as cool mm-hmm. when there's a moment when Roku does it like a few episodes ago when he like destroys his temple when him or Aang just like puts their hands on top of each other and does that like everything is settled. Right. Move. Yes. You know, just like the pushing their hands mm-hmm. towards the ground. Mm-hmm. It just makes me go. Whoa. Yeah. That was a moment. Another quick like uh, uh, visual artistic choice that they made which i think adds so much is the ash did you notice that the flecks of ash flowing out yeah as soon as the thing the volcanoes actually exploded that adds so much to the there was a lot of the tone cool of detail the scene. as far yeah. as the volcano and the lava mm-hmm. um i love the way the end episode ends with the final word of meng just being like floozy <laughs> I laugh hard. <laughs> like, I laughed hard. She cracks me up. I'm so happy she gets to have the final word of the episode. <laughs> There's another thing in the final scene of this that, for some reason, it's in my head often, but I don't I, I don't always, like, remember that this is what it's from. But it's Aunt Wu going to the, uh, the Aang and the gang, going, oh, you moved the clouds, huh? Very clever. I don't know why, oh, but I literally yeah. I think about that all the Me time. Me too, man. Me yeah. too. The way she says it is oh. very clever. And kind of fuck you, because <laughs> yeah, like, right. you, you're basically saying that we were smart in helping the town, and you could have just been like, the clouds are saying you should just go check yourself. I don't right. know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You could have done that. Come on. You could have done that. Yeah. So I think we can uh, wrap up with our little kid moment of the week. Yeah. Um. It it's like hard Man. for me because of all these great <laughs> chicken I, I, ducks. I would not rank but... this episode as like one of the absolute best episode wise, but comedy wise, there's a lot of really good moments. Yeah, there's so much. What I have marked on my notebook is Sokka getting attacked by the duck after kicking that rock. Yeah. I think that's my yeah. favorite moment because he's just like, why is nobody listening to me? And he kicks a rock. And I I don't, I didn't write down what it uh, said because we started recording like while we were kind of looking at those little trivia notes. But the sign is an actual uh, Chinese characters. I think if I remember correctly, meaning like peace and uh, delight or something like that, like pleasant words basically 
and just he just like kicks a rock at a sign that's basically like a really positive energy vibes sign and then a chicken duck comes out of nowhere and just attacks him i love that moment yeah i mean i could say fish sexy face or when ang looks at the duck and it quacks at it but it's gotta be it's gotta be Sokka getting attacked by the chicken duck <laughs> oh what a solid moment i mean yeah this episode is mildly frustrating but uh all in all it's got and some it's good, good writing too though it's not and, frustrating yeah. because it's poorly written it's frustrating because it's well written yeah that's to true the, to to the for the most part you know that's true it's it epi- wraps up real quick but it's episode you know it's it's sort of a pit stop episode but also adds a lot to the development of katara and ang's relationship and whenever i use that word relationship like i don't know it's so much i love the way you put it like her realizing that he he's like a figure in her destiny like that developing that this is crucial yeah to we that. needed that and um, other than the great divide i think all of the pit stop episodes of this show need to have that like okay well what's the point of the episode outside of because if they're not developing that plot of him you know going to learn bending they got to develop something right right i think the great divide is the only episode we've come across that doesn't have something it doesn't, it doesn't move forward in any way we're, we're past brings, the great divide. yeah this gives us hope <laughs> again like okay the, this show does still know how to do the pit stop episode well yeah um well uh <laughs> okay i'm my <laughs> My podcaster mind is too, because I was like, well, segue, pit stops. You'll be making some pit stops on your way. Hey, up that's to good. Minnesota. I like that. <laughs> okay. I like that. I should have just <laughs> gone into it. But Gary's going to be uh, going on a road trip, coming back home for a little while. Um, so we are front logging these episodes a little bit. You're going to be gone for a couple weeks. So uh, for the next like three weeks, I think, Yep, we're going to be just on Sundays. So if anybody's following, I'm so sorry. I know you just want to watch the whole thing and you probably are. And then (laughs) maybe listening to our episodes afterwards, but we appreciate you listening to this. Um, and, uh, just, uh, you know, sticking with us through this section of only weekly. And then we'll go back to double weekly, double, double, double weekly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you can look for the next episode out on, uh, uh, next Sunday. Uh, thanks for listening I'm Calvin and I'm Gary peace out guys y'all <laughs> y'all <laughs> little Gideon <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>